Let's go. Let's go. Oh, no. Do you want to? Sorry. I'll let you. I'll let you. Next one. I'm excited and I feel relaxed and I'm ready to party. Don't say sorry. You don't need to do that. You don't need to apologize. It's a fucked up female habit. You don't need to be sorry for anything ever. Can you guess what every woman's worst nightmare is? I don't have rage issues! I have nothing to prove to you. When I'm good, I'm very good. But when I'm bad, I'm better. I say when it comes to stardom and Lauren, there are no accidents. Hi, Karen Peterson. All right. And we are going in three, two, one. Welcome to Citizen Dame, the podcast where we are no longer 99% COVID free. (laughs) (laughs) I'm Karen Peterson, joined by Lauren Humphreys Brooks. It got me. Took two and a half years, multiple vaccinations, but it got me. Oh man, I'm so sorry, Lauren. How are you feeling? <laughs> I, I'm feeling. I, I I said to my parents earlier, I was like, I feel pretty okay. <laughs> that's that's kind of where I'm at. Not 100 percent yet. I feel better than I did yesterday, and and uh, I, I've been I've been uh, grateful that I've been able to get Paxlovid, which has definitely helped. Um, but yeah, so I'm I'm feeling all right. You know, I will try not to cough too much. That's that's definitely one of the symptoms that continues on. <laughs> Yeah. Oh, yeah. My cough lingered for for several weeks after I had it, and that was that was really miserable. You're lucky that it's such a mild case. I mean, mine wasn't even considered a severe case, and it was pretty rough. But um, I just, I think, like, I don't know how to say this without sounding wrong, but I feel like you're the the most um cautionary tale out of everyone like if you could get covid then people need to understand anybody can get it because you've been so cautious this whole time more cautious than anybody else i know well and i do i do have to say i know that if i had not been as cautious particularly living in new york i i I would have had covid before now like definitely 100 percent um yeah i i mean i've been pretty safe i've worn i i always wear masks indoors i was saying before we started recording i always wear masks indoors um I, I, I generally do not wear them outdoors. I've pretty much like just discarded that, which is probably what got me to be totally honest. I, I did not wear a mask walking around New York, uh, last week. And, and I, I think that that's where it got me, but yeah, I mean, it, it's still there. It's still out there. I, I, so far I've had a very mild case, which is good. Like I'm not, I'm I, I really feel for people that have that have had much more intense cases, but it hasn't been pleasant. This is like not something you want to get if you can at all avoid it. Uh, but yeah, so people just at least wear your masks indoors. Like just wear the, like when you go indoors, have a mask on, please. Yeah, please. Yeah. And you can buy some at the Citizen Dame store on Zazzle. You can. <laughs> so, well, I hope that you are feeling 100% really soon because yeah COVID sucks <laughs> COVID so. COVID does so suck people anyone who tells you that COVID is just like oh it's just a, a bit of a bad cold I have had a very mild case I have felt like I've had a cold for for several days it's still not fun this is not something that you want to do like it's yeah don't do it yeah. if you could avoid it if you can avoid it avoid it like you know obviously it's not 100% foolproof or anything like that 
my poor friend that I was with on Friday is like, I think that she's, she's quite freaked out because she's like, how did you get it? And I didn't like, I was with you all day. <laughs> and I was like, I don't, I just think it was luck on this one. I think I just was in the wrong place at some point. Like, that's really all that I can think of. Yeah. Yeah. Um. Well, get to, get to feeling better. And Thank you. Yeah. So uh, since Lauren is sick, um and since i've had just kind of a crazy week we thought it would be fun to talk about movies that we movies and tv that we like to watch when we aren't feeling so great you know like you know when you're a kid and you would stay home from i don't know maybe you you learn you probably never ever stayed home from school you probably went to school every single day <laughs> All through elementary no. school, you never had a sick day. Uh, okay, no, actually, you know, my parents and I were talking about the fact that I'm perfectly equipped for like, you know, the the whole, oh, you're not supposed to work when you have COVID or things like that. You're supposed to like be relaxed and everything. Because when I got sick, my parents were like, you're staying home from school. Like, it wasn't even like, oh, can you power through it? It was just like, no, you're staying home from school. We're not going to do this. Like, and so I would always recover faster than everybody else i would always get better faster than everybody else so no i was not a perfect attendance kid i <laughs> i was like my parents were like we're not gonna like make you sicker just so that you can go and sit in a classroom and like make other kids sick and eventually like, get an award for it at the end of the year like yeah you know, exactly attendance awards were so stupid exactly like well it, it's it's bizarre because you're like oh you're really like dedicated and you always went to school it's just like that means you definitely went to school sick like numerous times right because <laughs> yeah. kids are little petri dishes and they are snotty and like give things to to other kids and they're all crammed together in a classroom like no you you went to school sick multiple times and probably got other people sick yeah exactly and i understand that sometimes parents just really they don't have anyone to watch their kid and they have to just hope that they can make it through the day. But uh, yeah, no, like there were definitely times yeah. that my mom was like, you can do this because she had to go to work, you know, but. Um, well, that that's the thing. I, I was I come from a very privileged household in the in the sense that both of my parents have kind of they don't have regular nine to five jobs and they didn't when I was a kid. So they we're usually able to work it out where one of them would be able to be home with me um, and, and like look after me if I, if I needed it. Yeah. Yeah. And definitely like when I got into junior high and high school, it was like, yeah, sure. I could, obviously I could stay home by myself for the day, but um, yeah, I, I definitely didn't have perfect attendance either. And I would spend the time watching the prices, right. Um, the golden girls, <laughs> All that kind of fun stuff that every 12 year old is just dying to stay home from school and watch. I I would watch. I mean, I wouldn't necessarily if we're going to talk about comfort viewing, I wouldn't necessarily call this comfort viewing, but I did find it entertaining because it, at is that this point, how you discover Giallo. <laughs> <laughs> no. Well, I mean, it depends upon how you define Giallo. I was going to say that I used to I used to sit around and watch The View. Oh, <laughs> Like that, because that would that would be one of the things that was on at like whatever eleven o'clock or something mm -hmm. like that. And of course, I never got to see it when I was in school because I was in school. Um, and so I would like watch the View, and I like I learned things, you know, from Barbara Walters and uh, and Joy Behar 
like so many things <laughs> so for people to understand the difference in our ages the view was not on until i was well into college <laughs> yes i i am younger than you we've you uh, we've established this you are but yeah but i mean you know that kind those kind of daytime tv shows yeah. or mm -hmm. i remember watching reruns of like mash because oh, that's yeah. what was on in the middle of the day like yeah. um for a while Watched you know a lot of court shows too yeah yeah like judge judy or or things like that for us it was the people's court with judge walker <laughs> <laughs> yep um montel williams sally jesse Raphael, uh -huh. bill donahue um yeah all those i mean they were more in the afternoon but yeah th that you're absolutely right those are the kinds of things that we saw uh, uh soap operas when soap I operas. stayed at home, I got to watch, I got to catch up on my Days of Our Lives and <laughs> Another World because I always had to miss those in school, you know, when I had to go to school. So that was when I would, I'd watch it all summer. And then when I had a sick day, I could kind of check in like, oh, what's Marlene up to now? <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah. So we thought it'd be fun to talk about uh, what we, what are our comfort watches nowadays? Um what are some of the things that we turn to, whether we're physically sick or just, you know, having a, a down day, feeling some depression, that kind of thing? Like, what are the movies that um, that we turn to for for comfort? So, Lauren, what uh, what's one or two of, of your go to's? Um, well, I, t I tend to go for classic films, um, not surprisingly, in a lot of ways, but uh, actually the Thin Man series. And I was really happy to see that the Thin Man series is now available. Um, I think the entire series you can now watch on HBO Max, actually. Yeah. <laughs> I just <saw laughs> and for week. yeah, and for a while they they had a number of them also on Criterion Channel last month, and then those those went off, and they obviously moved over to like TCM, uh, the TCM hub on HBO Max. And I don't know if anyone has has not seen the Thin Man series; they are fantastic. They saw William Powell, Morna Loy. Uh, as Nick and Nora Charles, the first one is definitely the best, and it's it's more of the the standalone, uh, not quite pre code, but still feels like pre code film. Um, and they are married drunken detectives. Basically, he is a he's a former detective. She's an heiress, and they spend most of their time just having parties and getting drunk. Um, but then he kind of gets pulled back into investigating a murder uh in in the first film and she's very excited by this because she wants to see she's never seen him investigate a murder um and and they get involved it's very charming very funny uh one of my favorite things about the first thin man movies is to really just keep track of how much they drink throughout the film and i mean there is one sequence where i swear to god like william powell puts away about five drinks within about a 10 minute span and you're just like these people are intoxicated all the time like they get up in the middle of the night and just like i should make a drink <laughs> um but they're really charming uh they're really charming films they're very entertaining and they kind of straddle the line they're not really film noir they sort of straddle the line between um kind of breezy screwball comedy and and noir which is an interesting combination and really, it comes down to like the two of them are so charming together and uh, so much fun to watch together. The subsequent films following The First Thin Man, I think, s gradually descend in quality. By the time you get to the last two, 
um i think that they they're they've kind of played out the the uh the series basically um but like the second film has jimmy stewart is in it and you get you recognize I like i've like, seen the second one a very young like pretty jimmy stewart too um, so, and you see all of these, uh, all of these character actors that you probably recognize if you watch any films from the thirties and forties, then you probably recognize a lot of the character actors. It's just a lot of fun. They're really like entertaining mysteries. They're good mysteries too. It definitely like the first, the first three films, I think keep you guessing as to who the murderer is and, um, and how it's all going to come out. So I find those very comforting and very enjoyable to watch. Awesome. Yeah, I've seen the first two. No, the first one. Um, but that's it. I haven't seen anything beyond that. Definitely check out uh this the two subsequent ones. It's after the Thin Man and Another Thin Man. Okay. And I think that after that, Shadow of the Thin Man is pretty good as well, but um after that it begins to get wob- more wobbly, uh, in terms of just the quality of the film and um the quality of the mysteries okay well yeah when i saw the whole series was available i was just like oh i'm just gonna start plugging away at those and just watch i figure i'll just eventually watch the whole thing so that's kind of my plan but they're all definitely worth it like none of them are not entertaining or anything like that (laughs) nice nice so one of my go-to comfort movies i i still revisit it a lot but it was you know years ago about 10 years ago now I was just dealing with really really horrible depression and it was during Christmas time and there was just like I couldn't you know my friends would be you know making plans and they'd invite me over and stuff and it was just like I just I can't like I just couldn't all I could basically do was go to work and come home and it was just so much just to get through that so uh that month um in December of I think it was 2011 I watched Elf so many times because for some reason that was the only thing I could handle it I think because it doesn't require a lot of thought but it's really sweet and it was just like it was the only thing that I could handle that could just kind of get me through when I was just feeling so bad and to this day that's a movie that I still like even in like June you know I still will turn to it um just for that that comfort that you know just feeling a little bit better when uh when everything just feels so terrible so i just i i love that movie so much it's i don't again i don't know what it is i think it's the combination and there's new things i find even now i've seen it so many times but there's still things now that i find to appreciate about it like this last time i was watching it a few months ago probably during christmas so i guess almost a year ago now um I was just really thinking about, and it's going to be different to watch it this year. Sorry, I'm all over the place now. It's going to be really different to watch it now since James Conn just passed away. But um, I was really struck with just how game he was for all the crazy crap that happened. He really he, is. He has a tickle fight with Will Ferrell on a yeah. bed. <laughs> he he really is. He's really just like, yeah, I, I watched it over Christmas this year and, I, and it had been a long time since I saw it, but he really is just like, that's James Caan and he's yeah. not phoning it in either like he's not like being like oh this is just like a throwaway silliness 
he's very like into it and he he's 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 there for it he really is and it that's part of what makes it such a good movie and part of what makes it work so well is that balance between him as this this businessman who is totally checked out of his family and has a son but he's just kind of like and eh, he's not really into being a dad and then he finds out he's a dad of someone much older who grew up at the north pole <laughs> it's just yeah i love that movie so much so i know other people i know there are people who don't love it and i just i feel sorry for them <laughs> I do not know how you can like fail to love that film. I mean, I understand that, like you know, if you if you, it's not something that you want to watch constantly or something like that. Yeah. But it's such a charming movie. It's there's so many great one-liners, <laughs> like sure. and and it doesn't. It isn't one of those films that like gets cynical at some point. And there are so many comedies kind of like that where they you know it's it it becomes somehow cynical or like oh this is ridiculous this is silly or everything the silliness is like positive it's something that's a good thing it's like we need more silliness yeah yeah well and there's just like little touches to ed asner being santa claus you know ed asner is known for you know being grumpy and here he is playing santa claus that's so that's such a great choice and then i do remember too a few years ago i was um uh, I was in a relationship with someone and he and I, and like his, his sisters and their, their husbands, we all went to see Bob Newhart together. It was like, he was doing a comedy show out here at a, at a theater, not too far away. And I was telling some of my employees, cause I work at a college and I was telling some of them, Oh yeah, I'm going to see Bob Newhart this weekend. And they were like, who is that? And the only thing that they could connect to was like it's papa elf and then they were like oh that's cool (laughs) (laughs) of course it made me feel a million years old but also it was like he connects generations too you know it's just yeah so yeah um what is another one for you i'm just trying to think about what well one one of the the shows actually the tv shows that is has become a total comfort watch for me is bob's burgers Mm. and and i've talked about bob's burgers before so i won't go into it too much but it's such a lovely show it is it's kind that like even when you get sort of you know those episodes where you're kind of mocking someone or anything it never really it never really falls into this the mean sort of comedy and and I like the fact that it does that. It's just something, honestly, you know, I've I've watched it's now 12 seasons. I've watched those seasons so many times I can quote episodes at you. Um, and I still find them entertaining. I still like I'm still like, oh, I want to see that episode where, you know, Tina goes to a, to a brony convention. <laughs> you know, I want to see that because there's this one scene that I think is just so funny. And um, and yeah, it, it's it's one of those that I can keep on returning to again and again and again and still feel like happy and not be bored particularly. And there there are very few shows, you know, I like rewatching shows, but there are very few shows that I can rewatch so many times and not feel bored by them mm-hmm. yeah that's still one that i i've seen episodes of it and i really enjoy it but i've never just like sat down and, and watched it so there's so many that i've not seen you gotta you gotta watch bob's burgers man like come on did you so did you see the film 
No, I haven't watched that because I was just like, eh, I don't really know these characters. But it's on. I do. Is it Paramount Plus or Peacock? Uh, it's, no, it's on Hulu. Oh, it's on Hulu. It's oh, on okay. Hulu. Yeah. All right. Um, I'll give it a watch. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I do think that Bob's Burgers is one of those shows that it, it, it struggles to find its footing in the first season. And it's really not until about the third that I think it really hits hits the ground running, right? Matt, like finally gets a, at what it needs to be, basically. Um, that's not to say there are a lot of very funny episodes in the first two seasons, but I do think that by the, by the third season, they've really got um, what the show is about and what the show needs to do. And they they uh, I think they also listen to feedback because there's there are a few things, particularly in the early episodes, that are a bit problematic um in representations of, of trans characters and things like that and they they don't like retcon that but they sort of shift focus a little bit and i think that they actually listen to some of the uh some of the criticism that was coming at the show because it's such a positive show otherwise that having those you know sort of throwaway jokes about trans people or autistic people um was was you know it was kind of jarring for a lot of viewers and uh and they and they actually took that criticism and, and made changes hmm, that's awesome um so yeah it's it's a very good show and i do think that you could probably watch the film without having seen the show at all um and you could start with the third season of the show with a, and like not have an issue with understanding what's going on or anything it's very episodic I I I will. It's like I said, it's not one that I I don't want to watch. I just I don't know what it is. And I recognize that animation is awesome and they can do all kinds of things with it. It's just for some reason animated shows are not usually my go-to. I don't seek them out. I don't usually watch them. I know I'm missing out with the Harley Quinn show too from everything I hear and I have a coworker who's constantly trying to get me to watch Archer like I just that's not it's not typically what I gravitate towards. So. See, and live action shows are not what I typically gravitate towards. <laughs> like, just funny. like, no, you should watch this. Just like, yes, but it's real people. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, while we're on the subject of, of TV shows, since you since you went there, um, for me, like my go-to comfort watch TV-wise has, like, it, it changes. So currently it's Shit's Creek or Ted Lasso like I'll just watch the Ted Lasso a little bit less because the second season amazing second season but it got so serious that it's not it's not as easy to just turn it on and just like enjoy life and laugh because it's like oh now I have to think about actual things that matter <laughs> but uh yeah one of my more recent ones is Shit's Creek which replaced Friends which goes back to my original go-to comfort show i already mentioned and that was the golden girls i grew up on the golden girls i still love the golden girls i still turn on reruns of that i don't know what it was that that show was able to connect with a 10 year old in california who just was obsessed i was so obsessed i was like even from a young age i was just like i am dorothy <laughs> and i you know i just <laughs> I love the characters so much. There were a lot of things I did not understand when I was watching it when I was a kid that now I go back and I watch the reruns. I'm like, oh, oh, that is not a joke I got 25 years ago. But 
or 30 or 35 but um but yeah it's um I still I still love the Golden Girls like what a perfect cast of just like such a great ensemble between B. Arthur and um, um, Betty White and Estelle Getty and uh, oh my gosh what's her name <laughs> Rue McClanahan Woo. Um, yeah, just, it's such a, such a perfect ensemble. It launched a spinoff. It launched two spinoffs. It just, I love that show so much. And so, and still funny. Like, it's still funny now, even though it was, you know, almost 40 year old show. So yeah, I love the Golden Girls. You know, I do think that this is a, there's a generational difference because I know so many people who are like a couple years older than me who just grew up on the Golden Girls. Like the Golden Girls was, was their thing. I never watched it. And really? I, I was I was not alive, I don't think, or I was very young. I don't know what year the show ended. I think like uh, 89, something like yeah, that. Yeah, so I would have been three. Yeah. <laughs> so so I never I never saw it obviously in the in its original run. Um but it was definitely on reruns a lot of the time, but it was just never something I was like, I don't I don't want to watch this. I did start watching it um last year, actually. Are around about the time that Betty White died, mm-hmm. and and I was like, you know what, I should I should check out the Golden Girls because I love Betty White, you know, like she she's lovely, and I've never really watched the Golden Girls, and I do find it very funny and and entertaining and everything. It's interesting, like where it is very progressive and where it isn't. Yeah. Um. And and that's not a knock on the show particularly, but it, it does like obviously it's pushing things forward quite a lot. But there are also there's also definitely like some things that just like, ooh, that's very, we know, yeah. we know we don't say those things. <laughs> right. Yeah. Certain things where it's like, yeah, we we've we've moved on from this, but also, yeah, a lot of, of themes and things are very uh very progressive, especially when you consider that this was a show right smack in the middle of the eighties. Yeah. Yeah. But yes. man, I mean, I remember being on the camp bus like for church and going off to camp and we're all singing the theme song to the golden girls like you know a bunch <laughs> of 10 year olds 11 year olds like we just yeah and that's the thing that's what made that show so interesting is the f- I mean another favorite was cheers so it's like <laughs> we had a bunch of kids like watching shows about a bunch of people getting drunk in a bar and a bunch of old ladies sometimes getting drunk in Miami and uh it's just I don't know what it was about shows back then I mean obviously we also had a lot fewer choices but they it was like they they did what they could to connect to as wide of an audience as possible and and it worked so and I'm glad that the Golden Girls has lived on and that it's found a new a new life here all these years later Mm -hmm. well but I I think I think the way you just said was is very true that there was a limited there there's limited availability of what shows were on but yeah there there was that kind of golden age of sitcom basically yeah where they it was trying to appeal to the most people mm-hmm. and and so you you didn't have so you didn't have like incredibly adult shows or anything like that you you had like sitcoms that were really trying to get to everybody from the age of about 10 to the age of about 95 it's yeah. you know? <laughs> true and and to to create sitcom situations that everybody would find funny, yeah. And you get that in similar ways with Friends or with Frasier is another one that I always loved. Mm-hmm. Um, 
and and that that kind of aura to i to i never liked it but a lot of people love it as seinfeld oh, yeah. um mm-hmm. but but all of this where the this these are situations that can appeal to most people and that most people can understand right even if you're 10 years old yeah absolutely and and then as we got into the 21st century then you know there became Cable really exploded. It existed in the 90s, but it really exploded. There became just so many channels to choose from. All those channels needed to program things. Um, Kids programming really became a big business. Um, It had existed, but mostly in like PBS. And then into the 90s, you get the Disney Channel and Nickelodeon. But um, yeah it's like suddenly now there's entire streaming services that are dedicated to very particular niche audiences so there's there's not a lot that brings us all back together as a family anymore but i i do kind of miss those shows from that time you've you've actually listed several of the ones that i used to watch all the time i loved i loved seinfeld um uh, but I was in the right age. I mean, you were really, it started in 1990. So you were what, four or five. So it just. Yeah. Uh... Yeah. And I, well, and you, you've got to remember also that um, I, I think both of us grew up in the time of reruns. Yes. So, yeah. so I watched the entire series of MASH. I was not alive when MASH began or ended, um, <laughs> yeah. you know, but I've seen every single episode. Mm-hmm. Uh, same thing with the Simpsons. Like, you know, most of the Simpsons episodes that I remember are actually episodes that I never saw first run. Oh, yeah. Um, because they were repeated so much on like, you know, they were always on on Fox at like 630, mm-hmm. um, which was usually right before dinner, which meant that I could watch the Simpsons while my parents were cooking dinner. <laughs> See, it was really funny because I didn't like the Simpsons. I actually remember I remember when that show was started as a short on the Tracy Ullman show and uh, then it spun off into its own series and I didn't like it um I thought Bart was really annoying I hated that Homer was so stupid you know like it just wasn't for me now I totally appreciate the the brilliance of that show I appreciate the voice acting like I, I think it's a really really great show um, but at the time I just was not into it. And then it was funny because of how disrespectful they are. My mom was like, you guys aren't allowed to watch that. And I was like, you're forbidding me from doing something I don't want to do anyway. <laughs> My brother would just watch it at his friend's house. So, <laughs> Well, and, and actually I was, I was thinking about this the other day, uh, interestingly enough, and this, this ties into what we're talking about from my age group, I guess, uh, that was South Park. Yeah. Yeah. Um, because south park i remember when the first episodes of south park came out mm-hmm. uh i remember like people beginning to watch it and and like and there was this whole thing now my parents were it, it compared with most of my friends parents very permissive yeah <laughs> they did not have a problem and i was old enough to but but they did not particularly have a problem with me watching stuff like south park they didn't think i was going to go off and emulate them <laughs> um uh but like that was the that was the big concern. And it, it was it's funny because I remember my parents talking about, well, this was what everyone was concerned about with The Simpsons, too. And yeah. it's not like The Simpsons destroyed this destroyed society or anything like that. But it's interesting where each generation kind of um, has those those things that become these kind of markers. And I realized the other day South Park's been on for like 
20 years, 25 years, something like that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, And they are no longer particularly a touchstone for me. I, I, I haven't seen any episodes in ages, but there are definitely some episodes that are just symbolic of, of me as a teenager. (laughs) Um, and, and of like things that I would watch over and over and over again and just, and still find hilarious. The fun with weapons episode is still like top tier television. (laughs) So is, so is the Scientology episode. Like it just is. Yeah. And there are Uh, certain ones that I have seen too, because people are like, you have to watch this. And I'm like, I don't want to, you have to. (laughs) (laughs) so so so, i know those episodes too (laughs) at some point i want to know what you think of the all about mormons episode um i I would love to know that (laughs) uh it it does make me laugh it's funny (laughs) okay good (laughs) oh yeah but yeah no you bring up a good point too just in general about growing up in the age of reruns and things because i also grew up on mash reruns but be- mm-hmm. even bigger than that was i love lucy i mean that uh-huh. was i love lucy was on every single day um that was another one yeah actually that i used to watch when i stayed home from school um because it'd be on from like 10 to noon or something like that and i i i was really surprised um when being the ricardos came out last year and i was doing some just research on the i love lucy show i was so surprised when i found out like how early in the run certain episodes happened like now i can't remember off the top of my head but like certain things that i was like wait that was in the first season of the show you know it seems like something that happened way later and then just and realizing that it didn't run for years and years and years i just felt like it did because i saw so many reruns and it was on all the time i just assumed that the show had been on for like 10 or 12 years um but shows didn't used to be anyway so anyway yeah that was that was a big one for us too so all right well what's another uh comfort watch for you any other big ones i mean they're they're all a lot i tend to go through like i feel like for some reason i feel like watching this movie um one that i do tend to to go back to and this will not surprise one of my one of my good friends and one of our patrons nanina um is the movie how to steal a million and i do not know if you have seen this movie but it is uh peter o'toole and audrey hepburn and it's like peak peter o'toole gorgeousness (laughs) and peak audrey hepburn gorgeousness and basically she plays the daughter of an art forger um who makes a living uh you know for forging forging art but he's basically been retired and uh he tries to sell if i remember correctly it's actually been a little while since i watched the film um he tries to sell a statue that uh is that his father i believe made who's his father was also an art forger and his father made and that is actually like you know now on display in a museum and she realizes that this statue that is a forgery is on display in a museum and she's afraid that he's going to get caught so she enlists the help of an art thief played by peter o'toole to steal the statues that is this this forged statue it's it's fantastic like it's very funny it's very much in the vein of if you've seen like gambit um it's a very similar film 
but it's very like 1960s, very cool. Uh, and and the two of them really do carry the movie. The two of them are just so fucking charming together. And um, and yeah, I, I I recommend it to anyone who just like enjoys heist movies and those kind of cool 1960s films the the whole thing starts off the way that she meets peter o'toole is that he breaks into her house and tries to steal painting paintings that her father has forged (laughs) i have not seen it and that has been on my i need to watch this list for a long time so it's really really charming and of course they fall in love because of course they do of course uh and yeah, it, it's it's a it's a really enjoyable. I think William Wyler directed it actually. Um, it's a really enjoyable like 1960s heist movie. That's awesome. Yeah, you know it's funny because I grew up in a, a world before streaming, and we were the first house on our street to get a VCR. Um, we used to have like even before cable was really available in my neighborhood. You know, we had a the system there were two to choose from there were select tv and on where basically they would have like a movie of the day and it was pay-per-view and you could like choose to you know like if you turned it on it would give you the first few minutes and then you could decide if you wanted to watch it and if you turned it off before the time then it wouldn't charge you that that's that's what we had when i was a kid so basically the movies that you watched over and over again were what was ever whatever was on tv a lot you know and then eventually, like I said, we got the VCR. My dad bootlegged Star Wars for us and Raiders of the Lost Ark and E.T. and Superman, you know, some of those. So we would watch those on repeat. And then it became just whatever uh, whatever VHS you had at your house. Like those became the movies that were your go to the ones that you saw a million times is just whatever you had at, at your house, you know. So um, so I just, you know, some of the movies that when I think of comfort movies too, I think about the ones that my brother and I used to watch just all the time when we were kids that still like now, and if I saw them for the first time now, I probably wouldn't, I don't know. Some of them I still would love as much as I did then. But part of, part of what makes them comfort movies for me now is, is that nostalgia of like, not just the movie, but, but what time it takes me back to in my life. And so um some of those like i just mentioned raiders of the lost ark star wars et uh actually for us it wasn't superman it was superman 2 for some reason (laughs) we were just like i remember seeing that in the theater actually at the drive-in it was the mission drive-in now it's the mission tiki but soon it's going to be you know a warehouse or something i'm really sad but um but you know just these movies that we would just watch all the time because that's what we had available to us and and another one that made it into the rotation was splash with tom hanks <laughs> yeah daryl hannah and eugene levy <laughs> and i still to this day like it's not a it's not an amazing movie it was directed by ron howard um but it still is one that i just you know i just just watched it again recently and i was like i you know i just still love this freaking movie and it's funny it's sweet john candy is in it too he plays um uh he plays tom hanks's brother um it's just yeah it's just good you know mermaids and walking around new york and 
um i just yeah i love that movie so much you've seen it too i'm sure yeah, I, I've I've seen it. I saw it, I think, ages ago. Um, I do not. I barely remember it, really. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it came Except out that in she's a mermaid. Yeah, it's funny because I always for a long time, I thought 1985 was like my favorite year of movie releases. But recently I realized I think 84 might actually have 85 beat because you've got Ghostbusters was that year. Karate Kid. I don't know. Splash. Anyway. 1984 was a good year for movies is what i'm saying <laughs> but but yeah i it's funny because i just recently i was talking to someone about eugene levy and they were like what's the first thing you remember seeing him in and and they were you know american pie and i was like nope for me it was splash <laughs> i had no idea that eugene levy was in splash <laughs> yeah he plays this guy he plays the scientist who's trying to prove that mermaids exist and he's ah, yes. her and he's just like she's walking around on legs and so he's determined to prove that she's a mermaid and uh yeah so he's the the nemesis in in that movie <laughs> well yeah i actually speaking speaking of films that we have forgotten about and that just very recently came back into our minds um i realized you know and you you talking about like the vhs tapes and stuff like that i remember my parents um again some of this is about what my parents were like you should watch this so so when i was a kid we had cable for like a hot second uh -huh. and uh and then the cable got knocked out in a in a storm in a winter storm and my parents informed me that there was no possible way of getting the cable back <laughs> cable was gone it died it was gone forever that was it. Uh, I, you know, as I got older, I was like, that was a lie. All of um, cable just ceased to <laughs> exist. Cable, it, there was just no way for us to watch cable ever, like ever again. That was it. That's uh, funny. Yeah. Like, and I bought it too, because I was a child, <laughs> mom, dad. But as, as a result, it meant that, you know, I watched a lot of things on VHS um and and so most of my experience of television shows even for a very long time we did get like some of the basic channels um but a lot of a lot of television shows etc a lot of the films that i watched when i was a kid were like things that had been recorded on vhs but i remember my parents definitely felt that i needed to be introduced to the films of arnold schwarzenegger <laughs> yes. um but they did not want to show me things like Predator or Commando, no, right? So they weren't going to show, they did show me things like True Lies and Twins. Nice. So my experience of Arnold Schwarzenegger uh, has been very colored by this. And, and the result being that like Twins, for some reason, I got really into Twins. I like I watched Twins <laughs> 500 times. I fucking loved that movie. Another one that's a little bit later is Junior. In uh -huh. which Arnold Schwarzenegger plays a, a man who gets pregnant. And <laughs> impregnates you, himself. Impregnates himself, yes, with the help of Danny DeVito <laughs> and Emma Thompson. Yeah. And Franklin Jella is the villain. Oh my and gosh, it's just I forgot like, about that. And it's the first time I ever saw Franklin Jella in anything. And and <laughs> I was thinking about this movie actually the other day because I was I, I had watched um uh, Pumping Iron, which is like one of kind of where people became more aware of who Arnold Schwarzenegger was. This is long before he became a movie star, right? But I was like, that was he made a movie where he was pregnant. There's like a movie, <laughs> and not only that, I remember really liking it, like really enjoying the crap out of this movie. And it's such a weird film concept <laughs> and it's but it's got a fantastic cast 
-hmm. And it's actually very funny and charming. And, um, and yeah, that, that was one where I, I remember watching junior. And again, I watched junior multiple times. I do not know why I got into that particular film. Um, and I don't know, maybe this is something about me, but I just remember watching that movie so many times. That movie and Twins were like two of the big ones for me. Do you know who directed both of those? So Rob Reiner? No. It was Ivan Reitman. Ivan Reitman. Well, he and he also did um, Kindergarten Cop. He did, yeah. <laughs> yep. Um, but yeah, I, I definitely saw Junior in the theater more than once. Like, that movie is... It is it's something special like I, it's bonkers I, it's easy to yeah oh seriously bonkers but it's easy to just dismiss it as like oh that's just a really weird you know silly movie but and it is silly but it's i don't know there's just something about it it's funny like you said the cast is just so good so so good so but um twins though <laughs> um I always liked the line where Danny DeVito realizes that he wasn't supposed to exist. He was basically from everything that was supposed to be discarded. And he's just like, so I'm the crap. And um, I am the oldest of four siblings. And all three of my siblings, I'm 5'4". And my sister, who's the youngest, she is like 5'11". She's like barely just brushing up against six feet. My brothers are both over six feet. They're all like skinny and beautiful like model people and then there's me and so I used to always like say like so I'm the crap and uh, I just yeah anyway but <laughs> one of my favorite lines in that film is and, and I just for some reason I think about it constantly like uh is where Arnold Schwarzenegger like a guy tries to steal his briefcase and he pulls the guy like off of his motorcycle <laughs> yes. and he hits the ground and and he's like what did you do today it was just like i did nothing the pavement was his enemy <laughs> i was like i love that i really there, there's just something about that and and it, it does you know remind me actually that arnold schwarzenegger is actually quite funny he and people is. used to make fun of him for you know like the stupid one-liners and everything but that's kind of the charm of it like mm -hmm. he actually delivers those lines really well and yeah. he's a very charming screen presence so you watch him in something like twins which is a comedy right <laughs> and and um and he, he is just like you're really fucking charming dude yeah and um oh my gosh the scene on the plane where he's got the headphones on and he's singing yakety yak <laughs> Like, yeah just so great yeah he he used to do just such good with comedy tom hanks too it's like i i miss those late 80s early 90s comedies that they did they were just so much fun and i for both of them i mean i don't really after after what he did to california as governor i don't really care what happens with arnold schwarzenegger's career anymore but if he's going to insist on still being in movies i wish that he would do another one of those silly comedies just fun i mean i guess they don't make them the same way that they used to either but um i just i wish both of them would just do some sort of return to that type of of movie just you know even just one yeah. last time so yeah um both of those twins and junior i just looked it up they're both available on stars so if you have stars um you can see both of them <laughs> yeah um for for me as far as like just some some new ones that have kind of made it into my rotation uh 
I'm kind of, I feel like I'm stealing this from you, but you didn't say it, so I'm going to. Birds of Prey has become yeah. one of my go-to, like, all the boys are making me mad. I need to watch girls beat them up. So I watch Birds of Prey a lot. Actually, um, I was planning on watching it again today. <laughs> so um, It's, it's a, that's a very satisfying movie. And, really and is, you can... Yeah. I, I also like the fact that it's very speedy, so it's it it doesn't let up. It doesn't feel like there's a point where we're like, oh, I'm getting bored or anything like that, or I've seen this a million times. It is so much fun. Mm-hmm. And uh, and yes, very satisfying for when you're just like, men are pissing me off. I'm gonna I'm gonna watch Harley and the the girls beat the shit out of them. Yeah, it's funny. It's you know, it's so vibrant and colorful. Ewan McGregor is such a good bad guy um all the the whole cast is just incredible like it it's really great and it just it will never stop pissing me off that boys were so stupid about that movie and made such a big stink about it that we're not getting a sequel i'm assuming we're not but uh so far they haven't announced one but it was i'm still i'm gonna movie of 2020 so i'm still gonna hold out hope i'm still gonna be like "Mm, i we can do it come on guys yeah i i think i would if we didn't have a studio head at warner brothers who seems to not like movies so yes well there's that there's definitely that (laughs) but anyway but it's just yeah it's just it's good it's colorful it's it's creative it's fun it's funny it's also just really smart and I, you know, I just, I love it. And I, according to Letterboxd, I've watched it 10 times. I think I've probably watched it more. <laughs> so do you have any others you wanted to mention? And we're going to talk about a couple new releases and then. Uh, well, and, you know, actually, actually, you know, in the, in the realm of uh, Birds of Prey, I, I would also say for me, Go- Ghostbusters yes, Answer the Call yeah. is is a major one. And again, is one of those that, you know, I'll put it on, I'll leave it in the background and I will come, I will come running back into the room because I'm like, oh, oh, there, there's that, that scene. I got to see that scene. There's like, oh, no, this, this next scene. This is my favorite scene. Oh, no, that scene, too. Uh-huh. and and then and then i'll be like you know you've seen this 20 times and and you do not have to be in the room if you're like cleaning or something not to be in the room for every scene just like but i do i yes. i absolutely do exactly um yeah so yeah that's that's definitely one and that is also actually replaced in a lot of ways one of my previous major comfort watches which was the first ghostbusters <laughs> yep yeah um so one time my my now former roommate she and i were she came home one day and i was watching it and um, i said she's like oh you're watching this again and i was just like i watch it whenever boys make me mad and um she goes you must watch this a lot then i said yep (laughs) and uh, then she said but but like this doesn't really have to do with with guys i mean other than the villain is this you know literal toxic white male but um she's like but they're not they're not mean to the men i'm like they don't have to be mean to the men for it to be satisfying <laughs> it's some of it is is also not just that they're you know it's not a, it's not about men particularly like exactly, the villain is yeah. is male and i i do admittedly take take a certain degree of joy in thinking like every time i watch this i feel like somewhere in the world there's a ghostbusters fanboy who just can feel the pain and is like this this makes me unhappy right <laughs> i just like i know that's not true but at the same time i'm like i would like to think that somewhere in the world i am pissing off some man it's probably um 
just just by watching this but also you know it's it's about i like movies about female friendship i like uh, movies that aren't male centric that aren't about men um we were talking when we talked about league of their own uh, a couple of weeks ago the a league of their own deals with the patriarchy and the sexism of the time without centralizing men in any way and and that's honestly something that's true with birds of prey as well Mm-hmm. Um, it doesn't centralize men. Men are there are male villains, right? And there are male characters, but they're not the focal point of anything. They're not the world around which um all of these these women revolve. Right. And and I, honestly, I think that that's part of what pisses a lot of men off about it is that they really want to believe that they are the center of women's universes, whether that's positive or negative. They want to believe that we are constantly thinking about them, dealing with them, uh, talking about them, et cetera. And when a film represents a film or a TV show represents the fact that we're not, that in fact they are blips in a lot of ways, uh, it really pisses them off. Mm-hmm. So true. So, all right. So um, those are some of our go-to comfort watches. We would love to hear yours too. So um, yeah, send us, send us messages. We like to hear that. But um, there were a couple of newer movies that, well, one came out over the summer and just hit Disney Plus on Disney Plus Day, which apparently is becoming a thing now. I don't know. Um, and then the other was just released in this last week. So um, let's Let's go with Honk for Jesus, Save Your Soul first. So that's the new movie with um, Sterling K. Brown and Regina Hall, where he is a pastor of a mega church. She is his wife, the first lady of of this church. And they have recently, not quite sure how long it's been, but in the last year or two, they've lost basically their entire um, their entire church, they still have the building and they still have five faithful followers, but um, in the aftermath of a scandal, they've basically lost everything. And now they're trying to prepare for their comeback. And so the movie is basically a documentary or a mockumentary about that journey. Um, and uh, what what did, what were your thoughts? It's on, uh, it's on Peacock and it's in theaters. I saw it in theaters. You watched it on Peacock. Um, what were your thoughts, Lauren? I I was surprised by this. You you had initially um, made it one of your recommendations, and and then you know, and I was like, so how is it is it really worth watching? And you said yes, and I was I was really surprised by this movie. Um, I kind of went into it expecting it to be maybe expecting it to be a lot more kind of rollicking humor. Mm-hmm. Than it turned out to be like I, I and and I'm not I'm saying that that's like a good thing. I'm glad that the film went in the direction that it did because it actually deals with very um, serious and interesting things in in a way that doesn't mock at the same time. Like you understand these characters, you understand their desires and some of the pain that they're going through, and and also, but at the same time, it doesn't ask you to like just feel 100% sympathy with them. Right. And to, you know, be like, oh, we're we're rooting for them. There were points at which I'm like, I don't know if I'm rooting for them or not, but I I kind of want to see something change and it's a really interesting interesting film like it it did things that i did not expect it to do i don't want to go into too much detail Mm -hmm. because i think that the twists and turns that it takes are 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 good to actually experience um 
Regina Hall in particular really carries the movie. Uh, and I think Sterling K. Brown does in his own way, but she is, she's the support. She's kind of the the focal point of it. And she conveys so much emotion while trying to control that emotion in such an excellent way and and manages to do it and still like allows for the humor to come through, allows for like the comedy um, to be a part of that. It, it's quite a performance actually. Yeah. Yeah, what she's able to do, and again, yeah, we're not going to give away stuff. You should just watch the movie. But um, what she does, the way that the last like 15 minutes or 20 minutes of it, um, she is in a particular uh, type of costume and makeup. And that is at polar opposites with what is happening in her life and in her emotional state. And the way that Regina Hall is able to do what she does emotionally in those scenes um, while dressed the way that she is. And when you watch it, you'll totally understand what I mean. But um, that is just some incredible acting because other other performers probably would have just made that silly. They, But she's able to just really ground what's happening like really ground those emotions really ground that that moment so that you understand the weight of it without laughing at it and but still part of part of what makes it so good is the fact that it's like this is ridiculous that she's doing all this while dressed like that you know so um, yeah it's it does a good job of kind of marrying i guess the sublime and the ridiculous yeah um without and and the other thing without making it pathetic right like that, that's the other thing because that and particularly the scene that you're you're referring to that could have been a very sad pathetic scene but there is an inherent kind of dignity i think to her character and to also what we've seen her character go through over the course of the film mm-hmm. that it stops it from being pathetic it stops it stops you from feeling completely sorry for her and stops you from like it 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 makes you it kind of makes you put yourself in her position and try to understand her yeah and it's, it's surprising she does a good empowering. job with that yeah mm-hmm. yeah she does so it's great they are both so good mm-hmm. um there's also uh there's also another couple in the movie um i can't remember who plays the husband but nicole bahari plays the wife and they are they are pastors at a competing church and the scenes that that they're in and then the scene where the four of them sit down together it's just like oh my gosh this is just this is like just such an amazing showcase of all of these actors and their talents and abilities they're just all so good and yeah this was a movie that started as a short film and it premiered at Sundance earlier this year that was when it hit my radar because i mean Y'all know I love my Sterling. Um, he's just such a, a joy. He he I've met him a couple times and he seriously is just like the most joyful person to be around. And that came across in this movie, even when you're finding out stuff about him and you're like, yeah, this dude kind of sucks. But also I can see why people are taken with him because he's just oh, so yeah. charming. But both of them do that like charismatic kind yeah. of perform that the performance of that kind of religion. Mm-hmm. Um, and that kind of a, a pastor, right? The like, yeah, his he is so convincing. And like there's there's one scene where he gives he's practicing a sermon 
and she's the only one who's listening and a lot of stuff has happened um but she's the only one who's listening and on the one hand you like feel the power of his performance and then her response to it oh my gosh, I know. is like simultaneously devastating and funny and powerful like it's it's a very interesting combination of things it's it is one of those films that the the tonal shifts and i've seen a number of people say that they didn't like how the tone shifted i think that it works perfectly i think that they actually managed to to walk a very fine line which is difficult to do there are a few um conceptual choices that i i wasn't a fan of that i think kind of lessened the impact of the film in a certain sense but those tonal shifts i think work perfectly like because it does go from that performative that like big big emotions big religion etc and then to like the actual smaller things that are going on and manages to do it with while having some of that humor running through it like it doesn't go serious all of a sudden right it it had it manages to balance all of those things i think really well mm-hmm. yeah yeah oh such a good movie so like i said it's in theaters still and it's uh it's on peacock um i had a funny experience when i went to see this i was sitting in the theater it was last saturday it was on national cinema day and um this this uh man came up to me he had like some people with him he came up and he was basically asking me if i would move seats because his whole family was there and they didn't have seats together and they were trying to arrange it like trying to move people basically so they could all sit together because it's you know you have to pre-select your seats and uh so i was just like fine so the seat that he told me to to go to um I got up and I went over there and there was someone already sitting in it. And I was just like, uh, sir, this is this lady's seat. And anyway, it turned out that he and he had children with them, too. And it turned out that they were in the wrong theater. They were looking for minions. And I was just like, OK, I feel better because I could not figure out why they would bring children <laughs> to this movie. <laughs> it's not not a children's movie. No. Well, and that. One of the one of the I think the issues with the film, though, is that it, it does look like a certain kind of film. Mm-hmm. It looks it looks much more like a kind of like I say, a rollicking comedy. Right. Um, like a broad comedy than it actually is. Yeah. And uh, and so it, it might have some of those some issues with with finding an audience simply because people are like, oh, that that's what this is. It's just like, but it's it's not. You need to watch it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, definitely. So, um, yeah. And so. Then the other movie, it came out over the summer, and I didn't really talk about this much because it came out while I was on my vacation, um, and we were off, but I know I mentioned it. It's now on Disney+, and that is Thor, Love and Thunder, and I love this movie. I I still, (laughs) I know there's gonna come a time when I don't love a Taika Waititi movie, but it still has not happened. Uh... I saw a few of my friends just recently. They watched it this week and they gave it two stars. And I was like, no, no, you're wrong. You are incorrect. Go back and watch it again. <laughs> um, yeah, I actually watched it again on Thursday when it hit Disney Plus, And I liked it even more than I remembered. And I liked it a lot when I saw it the first time. So uh, I'm really curious, Lauren, to hear more. I know you you told me your initial thoughts, but I'm really curious to hear more about what you thought of Thor Love and Thunder. 
I really enjoyed it. I didn't like it as much as Ragnarok. Mm -hmm. um, and But I think that it's more, I think Ragnarok is a better constructed film in a lot of ways. It's better structured. But I really, I really enjoy this. First of all, I always enjoy the fact that, you know, these movies and Botiti in particular is allowing Chris Hemsworth to be funny. And Chris Hemsworth needs to stop doing action movies and start doing comedies and just make that his thing mm -hmm. because he is funny. He is actually funny. He um, really is. He delivers lines well. He's a good comedian. He's a good physical comedian. Uh, there was just this. This was one movie. Like I said on Twitter, I was just like, "Did people hate this just because they don't like rainbows or something?" Because I don't know. I, I mean, yeah, it's it's a little, like I say, I think it's baggier in a lot of ways than Ragnarok, but it's still very intelligent. It says wonderful things about like love and about, um, and and not in like a superficial way. This this is actually like something, a theme that runs throughout a lot of Watiti's work yeah. about love being a revolutionary act, being the thing that saves the universe kind of thing. And it, it that's not trite. Right. That isn't like a, a triteness that he is he's exploiting. It's not exploitative. It's it's um, it's real and it's it's a real theme that he explores a great deal. Uh, again, you know, without going into any spoilers or anything like that, I think that the ending is fantastic. Mm -hmm. um, like really moving. There was one point where I was just like, am I like getting kind of choked up by this? I'm, I'm getting a little choked up. <laughs> Um, but yeah, it's it's funny. There's there are definitely some throwaway jokes, but I didn't understand like some of the complaints about like, oh, it's too humorous. Just like you mean this comic book movie about <laughs> cartoon characters. They're <laughs> cartoons. <laughs> Tell me more in, about how serious Marvel movies are. So yeah. Intended for like adolescence age 10 to 15. Uh, tell me about how that this is too silly. It's just like, yeah, it's fucking silly. He's a god. He's so, he's like a god from this this planet that got destroyed and shit. Mm -hmm. Um, I there there are just so many things that I enjoy. I loved Tessa Thompson. I loved. I I do wish that she had had a bigger role, but I also yeah. understand why she didn't. Uh, I really liked like Korg. Korg is great. <laughs> uh, Natalie Portman uh, has returned as Jane Foster slash the Mighty Thor. Um, oh my gosh, when Korg is like his girlfriend Jane Fonda, no <laughs> Foster, Judy Foster. <laughs> I I I liked the device of like that storytelling, just like let me tell you a story kind of thing. Mm -hmm. Um. Yeah, and I, I really loved the humor. I I'm, I loved Zeus. Uh, Russell Crowe's Zeus yes. is just so funny and perfect casting, and I think he did a great job. Uh -huh. <laughs> um, you know, so, some of it I understand. Like, I think that some of the beats, like some of the the um, uh, stuff in the um, in like the, the, the god planet or whatever it is, Omnipotent City, I think it's called. Yeah. Um, feels a little bit like a retread of what happens in Ragnarok mm -hmm. but not not enough that it that it put me off particularly yeah um I, actually I thought that some of the some of the the CGI you know people were complaining about the CGI again some of the CGI and work especially on the uh the shadow planet oh it was incredible. is is gorgeous like it's gorgeously shot it's really well done with like, color and black and white it was yeah. so cool 
it was I, I thought it was really kind of refined and and beautiful and again very comic booky like this is definitely a comic book movie yeah. and it feels that way but that's I feel like that that's what it needs to be. There's been this insistence, I think, that these films are more important in some way or like more have more gravitas than they really should have. This is silly, right? And it, it needs to have a silliness to it. And I think so, that's yeah, what I, makes... Ty- oh, sorry. I was just gonna say, I loved it. Yeah, well, good. I'm so glad. And I think that's what you were just saying about, you know, the silliness and stuff. I think that's what makes Taika Waititi the right director for telling thor's stories because he understands um where there is emotional weight and heft but also how this is just this is a silly character like you said he's a god come on he's the god of thunder he has lightning that comes out of his fingers like that's that's silly and um but he taika understands how to tell that story and how to make it work and how to make it something that's really engaging and and interesting while also embracing what is silly about the character so um i appreciate we talked about this with rrr too the the indian film that's on netflix i appreciate that you don't know what the title means until much later in this case all the way at the very end (laughs) yeah (laughs) i love that that was great um i also appreciate taika waititi being the the person that brought Tom Cruise officially into the MCU. <laughs> and I can show my work on that. <laughs> I, th- I think I noticed. <laughs> <laughs> so, okay. So uh, when they, there's a part where they're going after the bad guy, which is Christian yeah. Bale. And they're on this boat that they took from uh, New Asgard because it's, yeah. you know, they, it's, a, it's become a tourist de- destination. Well, the boat has a bar, and the when they are outside on the deck, you can see the name of the bar. It's called Cocktails and Dreams. Now, in the movie Cocktail, Brian Flanagan, played by Tom Cruise, has a dream of opening and franchising a chain of bars called Cocktails and Dreams. So, in my estimation, this is not just a reference to Cocktail. This means that Brian Flanagan opened a franchise in new asgard which means he is part of the mcu he exists in that universe <laughs> tom cruise is now in the mcu i i i think i i accept that <laughs> thank you i accept that <laughs> i love Inter- it. intertextual referentiality <laughs> yes yes exactly <laughs> so uh yeah but no i i also love this movie like i said i actually liked it even more watching it again after a couple of months and like um i think that that revisiting it there's just new new things to appreciate and new levels just like with any good movie from any good filmmaker you're always going to find um different things that not just that like oh i didn't notice that before but just really thinking about the the film the text the story in a different way the characters um and just it just yeah watching it again just really made me appreciate the story that he's telling and things that I also, I I agreed the first time I watched it, I was like, yeah, I'm not totally sold on this omnipotent city scene, but watching it again, I was like, this is awesome. I love everything about it. So uh, it's definitely one that, that holds up and and improves on, on revisiting it. So yeah. Uh, Also, I think, I mean, so Watching on Disney Plus, it's easy for people to miss. 
of course it's an mcu movie so you should never skip the credit scenes and i think the the very final end credit scene on this one there's two there's one in the middle and one at the very end um i think this might be one of my favorites it's actually a very sweet beautiful uh, moment and um i yeah i think it's it might be my very favorite end credit scene i i did like the one right before the the longer the longer credits where we that made... meet hercules yes <laughs> I thought you'd appreciate that one. I was just like, oh my God. (laughs) Now I need to see him in a movie. Yes. (laughs) Well, he said Thor will return. So hopefully he will be in it. (laughs) So, um, all right. Anything, any other final thoughts as we finish up for this week? No, I think that like, you know, there's, we've, we've actually talked about about quite a lot of films we have yes um and tv shows so and most of these as we've mentioned are are ones that you can actually watch on various streaming services mm-hmm. yep that's true uh so and we we thanks to a question from one of our esteemed patrons a few weeks ago we excuse me do you have a letterbox list and we do our best to keep it updated with the films that we reference throughout the the show so uh, i have been keeping track as we've been going along so i've added several new uh new films they don't let you put in tv shows but yeah um yeah, they sometimes so. let you do limited series limited i'm series, always yes mm-hmm. yeah 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 anything with bit... multiple seasons though can't i i'm a bit confused by how letterboxd like categorizes things <laughs> it's like so is this not a tv show <laughs> right um, I think that they put it in when it's when it's supposed to be a limited series, and then sometimes things just end up getting picked up for another season, and then it just kind of sticks around. But um, yeah, I'm also confused by some of the category choices, and sometimes movies will say they came out in a certain year, but it's like it didn't even play at a festival until the next year, so I don't know. But that's okay. It's uh, it's the best thing we have for keeping track of movies, so we'll take it. Um, but anyway, so yeah, the the list is updated. Um, but yeah, so we'd like to thank Estefania for asking that a few weeks ago. And um, and if you have any other suggestions of letterbox lists that you would like us to include, please always let us know. Um, and yeah, so that's that's it for this week. We want to thank our patrons. Uh, they are Ollie, Brian, Connor, Estefania, Heather, James, Kathleen, Carriotta, Mason, Matt, Michelle, Monty. Nanina, Robert, Robert, Steve, Sharon, Tao, and Will. Thank you so much for your support. If you would like to join them, become a patron yourself. You can go to patreon.com slash citizen dame and sign up. We have different levels, different things that you get uh, for that. And we have been promising a lot of stuff, but it's coming. Like we've got a bonus episode in the works. We are planning that. So that'll be up really soon. That's the full episode goes to Patreon. So uh, we also, as I mentioned before, we have our Zazzle store, Zazzle.com slash Citizen Dame. We have masks, we have t-shirts, we have all kinds of fun things there that you can can get. And um, and our co-hyphenfi.com uh, slash Citizen Dame. So those are just some of the ways that you can support the show. If you want to uh, read our brilliant words uh, in print, you can go to our website, CitizenDamePod.com. There you, this week, you will find a review, a written review of Honk for Jesus, Save Your Soul. I also uh, have a couple of, I'm not at any festivals right now, but I've got a couple of of films that are playing TIFF and some other 
uh, fall festivals that um, I'll be putting up reviews from those. And I know you've got some stuff coming up too. So uh, Lauren, so. Yes, definitely going to have a few more things and, and hopefully some stuff from New York Film Festival, although some of that is based upon my health. <laughs> yes, yes. Well, we need to keep you good and healthy. So um, you, but if you would like to reach out to us, there's different ways that you can, can find us and, and follow us and listen to our thoughts and share your own. Uh, we do have our email, citizendamepod at gmail.com. And then we are on the social medias, Twitter and Instagram at citizendamepod and letterboxd where you can find that movie list and and some others uh, at citizen dame but you can also find us individually lauren where are you i am on twitter instagram and letterboxd at lh business and i am on twitter instagram and letterboxd at karen m peterson so that's going to finish things up for this week thank you so much for listening we hope that you've found some good things to add to your to your list and uh, again, let us know what, what movies comfort you when you are sick or, or just not feeling up to, up to par. So uh, thanks so much. And we will catch you next time. Bye. So that's the ex-girlfriend, is it? The old ex-girlfriend. Jodie Foster. Jane Foster. The one that got away. The one that got away. That means escaped. Yeah. Yeah. Must be hard for you to see your ex-girlfriend and your ex-hammer hanging out and getting on so well. What you up to, bro? Go to daddy. No. No, Hey, there you are. Hey. I was just calling you.